0: But as we continue worship, I invite you to hear this passage for us today from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17-23. through 23. Hear these words. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of Him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now... In these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God, and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever, because it comes from the eternal living word of God. It's the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your life, for your grace, and for your working amongst us. And Lord, as we enter into this time of deep discipleship, we ask for you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your voice speaking to us. Turn out the distraction of our day and our lives so that we may focus entirely upon you and your word. Lord, may I become less so that you may be more in this moment. May the words of my heart and the meditation of my soul be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the last few weeks, I've been noticing a trend, kind of a trend among a lot of my friends and colleagues and others, a trend in which they're announcing where they're going to go. I'm not talking about whether or not they're going or staying from an appointment. I'm I'm talking about so much of going or staying within our denomination. Week after week, I go online or I hear a friend saying, I'm leaving. Friends, colleagues, former churches, leaving. Then at the other side, I have friends and colleagues and who are saying, we're staying. Staying. It's a unique time that we find ourselves in, and a time in which we expect pastors to stand up and say, we're staying or leaving in a tense of an appointment. Oh, by the way, you're stuck with me, I think. I don't know if there's good news or bad news, but you're kind of stuck with me. If it's bad news, there's counseling available for you on the second Wednesday of every week. Um, No, we're excited about coming back. Um, But this is a time when you expect those kind of news. But yet the news that we often find ourselves in is, which side are you on? Which team will we play ourselves in? And truth be told, I've had some of those conversations with some of you over the last few weeks. Are we going to disaffiliate? Are we going to leave? Why haven't you talked about that more? Church down the street's leaving, shouldn't we? I worry about all of those types of conversations, as holy as they may be because we are temporary residents in this world. All of us, we are like little grounds of sand in the whole concept of time. Sure, we're here for 70, 80, 90, 100 years, whatever it may be. My knee keeps acting up some more, maybe 43 years, you never know. But all of us are here as temporary residents. We're not here to just pass the time until we get to some long-begone place. We're here for a reason and here for a purpose. In this time that we find ourselves in. Oh, we could have say that we wish we were temporary residents when life was easier, right? There's never been an easy time to be the church. All we could say it was easier back when everyone was a part of the church. But let's be honest, a lot of people just came to church for networking and political games. We're in a unique time, unique place, as temporary residents. But what does that mean for us? Should we be on the side that leaves? Should we be on the side that stays? Or maybe there's another option out there for us all as we live as temporary residents in this world. Because we're called to live differently. We're not called to live and fit into the ways of the world. We're not called to live into the ways that we often see that looks like Monday Night Raw or something like that we are called to live as witnesses of Christ in a broken and hurting world. That is what the church is to be. Because of Christ. Christ, who was that perfect lamb. Christ, who was that incarnate one. Before all time, before you and I were even a speckle in our parents' eye, Christ was thought of. Before even Adam and Eve, Christ was thought of. And Christ came for you and for me and all those things that we do wrong. None of us here have it all figured out. None of us, not even me. I'm probably the least amongst us. You do see that I've got a WVU mug up here, right? But none of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. All of us make mistakes, all of us are imperfect. Yet Christ still loves us in the midst of our imperfections. Christ still loves us. Loves us enough to pay the ransom on our behalf. Paid the price for us. With his own body, with his own blood, upon the cross. Paid that ransom for us. We could have some long theological conversations upon whom that ransom was paid for. Whether it was... As Irenaeus of the early histories of the church and the Eastern Orthodox tradition said that it was paid to the devil or whether we say it was paid to God or whether we say it was paid for some other reason. I kind of lean to it was God paying it on our behalf. But it was paid. Because our sin keeps us diff- distant from God. Those mistakes, those errors that we make, those arguments, those distance acts make us different distant from God, but yet God healed that through the cross and through the tomb to where we can have faith in God, to where we can have a relationship with God, to where we can be in connection with God. You and me, all of us can be in connection to God. But yet, because of that ransom, because of that price that Jesus paid for us, we're called to live differently. We're not called to live as this resident strangers in a strange land and the ways of the world. We're not called to just fit in and get along to get along. Oh, how easy it would be if that was who we were called to be, to be able to just get along for the sake of getting along. My job would be a lot easier. We're called to live in a sense of holiness, in a sense of love. We're called to be obedient to God. First Peter says that we're called to be obedient to God and be obedient to God's holiness. That because God is holy, we too are called to live holy lives in this world. We're called to look different. We're called to stand apart, look a little odd, look a little sheepish, look a little... Separable, be a little countercultural in a time of life. We're called to give of ourselves, devote of ourselves completely to God in all things, to honor God's truth, God's hope, God's joy, to where God's word is manifested into our lives, to where everything about us is defined by God our words, our actions, our deeds. Peter says that when that faith, because of what Christ has done for us, when that faith is manifested in us and transforms us and renews us, then we have a purpose to our life in how we live in this time. This time as Transient residents, strangers in a strange land, people who are here for a reason. Like N.T. Wright, the great British theologian, says there's a reason for us being here. The resurrection matters for us here and now because it didn't happen in some long-begone place. It happened here in our world and so the inference of it, the importance of it, the way we live is here and now. What First Peter says to us in how we are called to live in response to the truth, in response to salvation is to show mutual love with every person. Mutual love is to be what guides us as a body as a people, as a witness of Christ. Mutual love because of Christ. Mutual love of Philadelphia to receive the concerns of each other and they become our own concerns. Mutual love where we are patient, forbearing, kind, gentle, put our arms around each other when we're needing something, walk beside each other, stand with each other, care for each other. We're called to share mutual love with every person within the body of Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what church you go to, no matter what theological line you may fall on, we're called to show mutual love because we're all in this together. That seems like a foreign concept in our time we find ourselves in, right? You don't make money in this world or you don't gain influence in our world by saying, let's try to find a way to work together. You find influence by saying, we're right, you're wrong. Remember, I pointed at over there. I'm sorry. We find influence today by separating and dividing. We find influence in our society to say, they're the reason for your pain. They're the reason for your misery. They're the reason why everyone is disruptive. We're the perfect one. They're the bad ones. We're all doing it. I'm just as guilty at it. Separating myself from others whom I struggle with. Ask Abby how I feel about my neighbor's yard keeping. I argue I have a green, a putting green, they have second layer of rough, but that's another story for another day. But we separate each other, right? And that's how we're taught to live. Oh, but it's just the society, it's just the world, it's not us. The church today is being more influenced by the actions of society than we are influencing society. We are not taking the lead in how to love each other. We're not taking the lead on how to work together with one another. We're not taking the lead and finding commonality and common purpose and common dignity in one another. Instead, we've fallen the trends with each other. More willing to align ourselves with people that fit our political lenses more than our Christ-based lens. As a result, we're more likely to look for a church that affirms us, not in our love of Christ, but more we're willing to find a church that affirms in whom we voted for in the last election. And we take pride in that. We take pride in our divisions. We take pride in our separations. We take pride in thinking we're better than that other church simply because we're not like them. Where is the mutual love for each other in the body of Christ? Where is the mutual love for the body of Christ for the Methodist and the Baptist? the Catholic and the Protestant, the Western tradition and the Eastern tradition, the GMC or the UMC. We're all in this together. We're all in this together because we're all unified together in Christ the same blood that cleansed me is the same blood that cleansed you. The same blood that cleansed me in my theological views and my political views is the same blood that cleansed the people that I disagree with. The same blood that cleansed me is the same blood that cleansed my neighbor with their yard. No, that doesn't annoy me at all. The same blood that cleanses is the same blood that can unify us. It would be real easy for me as your pastor to stand up before you and say, we are going to be a church that is only for people that fit this box. And I can build a We can build a great church that has full of numbers and saying, we are only going to be a church for this box. And we would fit in with the world today and say, this is our box. Only those people are we going to accept. Even though we say we're welcoming, even though we say that we're including people, we know by how we put people in leadership, by how we take respect for each other, how we give people leadership in worship and in other conversations, we're only going to care about this box. It's easy to build a box where we separate in the church. That's not the type of church I believe God calls us to be nor do I believe it is the type of church that I think we are called to be, even in the midst of our denominational fun, separation, anxiety, whatever you want to call it. I believe there is room for the church to hold together truth and grace. For I believe that's what mutual love is all about. Holding together intention, mutual love for each other, I don't have to like everything you believe in your politics. I don't have to like everything that you do. But I can love you because I know Christ loves you. There's room in holding orthodox truth and grace together. And when I speak of orthodox truth, what I mean is the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed. That's the boundaries of our faith. That's what defines the boundary lines. Not if you read the King James version or the new revised standard version or the new living translation or the common English Bible. If the pastor wears a robe or doesn't wear a robe, if the pastor preaches from a pulpit or doesn't preach from a pulpit, whether we have contemporary music or traditional music that isn't the dividing lines. Those are minors and we do a good job majoring in the minors. The majors is, do you love God? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in communion? And do you believe that we're all in this together? If we can hold that together, then we can have true conversations about inclusion, what inclusion looks like in mutual love. To where it's not just about putting a sign that says we're welcoming, but to actually have people in leadership, to actually have people in conversations. Not just people who are different than us, but even people who affirm some of the things about us. Not just to have people that are odd or separating, but to have people that affirm us as well. But to have everyone together in the same community, trying to figure out together what does it mean to love God, grow in faith, and serve the Lord. That is mutual love. to be in connection with each other. And it's hard. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. If it was, everyone would be doing it. But there's room for the church to hold these things together. To hold truth as well as to hold welcoming. To hold truth and be a place where it doesn't matter your politics, you're welcomed here doesn't matter if you're black or white, gay or straight. Repu- voted for Trump, voted for Biden, went to WVU, went to Marshall, root for Pitt, didn't root for Pitt. Neurologically typical, non-neurologically typical. Able-bodied, disabled. There's more inclusion topics than just the one that gets the media. What if we were a place that said, we're gonna stand in the, the gap and hold truth and love together? Because I think that's what scripture calls us to be as the church. I think that's what first Peter calls us to be as Easter people. In this time that we live in as resident aliens, strangers in a strange land, we're called to hold down mutual love. to be there with each other. And yes, to figure it all out as we go. That's the kind of church I want to lead. A place that's gonna hold truth and love together. That's the kind of church I wanna serve. That's the kind of church I think will reach people today. I'm not saying this as an outreach strategy or ooh, let's get more people in here. I'm saying this because I think this is where God calls us to be. I believe we're called to stand as a church that's welcoming and holds truth. And serves as a place for everyone to come and figures it out along the way. Just like families do. Just like we all do. I want to be a part of a church that truly lives that out. And I hope you do too. But, now here's the brave part. I recognize there may be some of us that don't want to be a part of that. No, no, we just wanna be a place that only affirms people like me. I wanna be a place that's only for Republicans and the Democrats get out. Or a place where only the Democrats are welcome and the Republicans get out. If that's you, I want you to think about this. Is this really the place where you need to be? There's a thousand churches in our community that will only welcome people that will affirm where they're at, by politics or other things. If you don't wanna be a part of a church that's gonna welcome and hold truth together, God bless you. I'll help you find somewhere else to be. The way we need to grow And the way we need to serve is by everyone having a place, everyone having a voice, everyone being together. But I want you to hear me as your pastor. If that's not where you're at, God bless you. God bless you. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to hurt my feelings. I am not going to lead you in disaffiliation. I am not going to lead you as a church to separate. I am not going to lead you in a church that's only for one group and not the other. I'm going to lead you as a church that's going to honor God and loves everybody. That's the church I want to be a part of. And I hope it's the church you want to be a part of too. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we live in interesting times. In a world of division, Lord, we seek to be a place of love. Help us to love you. Help us to serve you. Help us to lead by your example where truly there is room for everyone at the table. Help us, God, through Christ we pray. Amen.